Well, come on, Go Church family. Greetings to all of you today. What an honor it is to be able to live stream back into your home on this Sunday. I want to look right into the camera and just tell you from my heart to your heart, I love you so much and what an honor it is not only to be your pastor, but honored that you would invite me into your living room or your bedroom or into your house today to watch this live stream. Uh, many of you know this, but we're actually one church in two locations. So we have our church family in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then we also have our church family all the way up in Germantown, Maryland. And today's live stream is from our broadcast campus in the South Metro Atlanta area. So, so basically we're one church in two locations. But ever since this crisis hit our nation and our country, we're no longer one church in two locations. We're more like one church in 4,000 locations because all of you have become your own campus right there at your house. And so thank you again for letting us live stream. It's amazing to me that this is now the sixth consecutive Sunday of us not meeting in person, but only meeting online. And I thank you for the way that you've embraced the technology and you've embraced the opportunity for us to bring the word of God into your environment and into your setting. And I don't know how long we're gonna have to continue this course of Sunday gatherings, but I will tell you this, that we're doing our very best to make sure that you and your family stay not only spiritually fed, but physically fed. So let me give you a couple of challenges. I want you to make sure that you're taking advantage of all of the great Bible content for all ages that Go Church is producing for you and yours so that you can actually grow in your faith during this season. And then on the physical side of things, if you have a need, do not hesitate to let your church know. Make sure you contact the church office because we've got a great emergency response team that is doing everything they can to make sure that the needs of our church family is met. So please let us know. And, and again, I'm praying for you and we love you. And we're believing that God's best is ahead for you and for yours. So God bless you. And we, we got a, a weekly tradition where we always give honor to the incredibly brave military men, women, and first responders. So shout out to all of you for continuing to just uh, to put your life on the line to protect ours. I like to say that all the time because that's exactly what you're doing. You are, you are going right into the eye of the storm to make sure that we're taken care of. And so God bless you. And then to all of the essential workers, for those of you that are working during this pandemic, man, we just pray protection over you and we thank God for you. And we just, we're so honored. We're honored that, that you would be willing to work in the middle of uncertain times. So, so we just speak blessing over all military men, women, first responders, and essential workers. As a matter of fact, it's a great time in the message just to drop in the comment section. A little shout out. Come on, show some love to everybody that is working during this crisis. So show them some love there. And I also want to say thank you to Go Church. That's each of you. The way that you continue to give financially to the ministry of Go Church is incredibly encouraging. The sacrifices that you, you make and you continue to make, they are making a huge impact, a huge difference. As a matter of fact, most of you know that last weekend, Easter weekend, there was a terrible storm that made its way through the southeast. And uh, this storm really did a ton of damage in Mississippi and North Georgia and, and uh, in Alabama and Tennessee and parts of South Carolina. I got a couple of pictures that I want to show you. Uh, many of you, you've seen some of these images already in this storm as it ripped through the southeast. I mean, it just destroyed thousands of homes and it claimed over 30 lives. And, 
It's amazing to me that even in the middle of a pandemic like what we're facing, there is continued tragedy and difficulty. And, and you can see just through these few images, the, the, just the tragedy that has hit so many people. And, and I want to tell you, Go Church, that because of your giving, we're on the front lines. That's right. Through our denomination, which is the Church of God, because of your giving, we were able to deploy an emergency response team on behalf of our denomination to go into some of these most damaged communities and to offer hope. And that's because of your giving. And so the Church of God Care Ministries is in action right now, helping to restore hope and helping to rebuild what so many people have lost. And, and every week, your generosity is touching the world. And you're, you're being generous, not just when tragedy strikes, but every day, somewhere across the globe is being impacted because of your generosity and because of your giving. And so I just want to say thank you. And I want to say God bless you. There are four ways that you can give. So for those of you just tuning in now, I want to make sure you know four ways to give to the ministry of Go Church. And you can take advantage of any of these options, whether you give online or you text to give or you download the app, or you even mail in your gift, I just pray that God would continue to bless you as you continue to bless the ministry of Go Church, and then we continue to bless those who are in need. Come on, give me an amen right there. All right, let me give you some good news. So on Easter Sunday last weekend, it was an epic Easter. Uh, who would have thought that churches all around the world, church buildings all around the globe, would have been empty? But I believe that last Easter weekend, more people heard the gospel of Jesus, the truth of God's word than ever before. And at Go Church, that, that was no different. I mean, we were able to leverage technology. And through that technology, we had, we had 25 people say yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, you ought to be lighting up the comment section right here just thanking Jesus. 25 people said yes to Jesus through that text response. And so those, those individuals have been followed up with, and now they're on their journey this new journey with Christ. And here's something else that's really cool. 3,765 devices or people attended one of our four gatherings on Easter weekend. So people were gathered around an, an iPod or an iPad rather. They're watching on, on their laptop. They're watching on YouTube. They jumped on Facebook or they're on our website watching just like you're doing today. And uh, families were huddled together, just leaning into the message of hope. And, and then they began to share those, those gatherings all over social media. And we had 21,483 views on that Easter gathering. And I just want to say, man, I don't know if we ever would have been able to accomplish numbers like this had we met on site but you, let me tell you this, you can't quiet God. Come on now, church. And although the devil tried to use this virus to shut the mouth of the church and to shut the truth of God's word, that cannot be done. The word will not return void. Come on now. And so we leverage the opportunity to live stream and look what God has done. And so we're just celebrating that in a big way. And, and many of you are tuning in today and, and, and you're new to the ministry of Go Church. As a matter of fact, one day you were just scrolling on Facebook and the live stream popped up and so you thought you'd tune in and, and maybe you're interested in learning more about the ministry of Go Church. We offer a great opportunity, we call it Move Track, and Move Track happens the last Sunday of every single month. And Move Track is designed 
For those of you interested in learning more about the ministry of Go Church, our vision, our mission, our DNA, our structure, the way we do things and why we do things the way we do things. But MoveTrack is also designed to help you identify your spiritual gifts, the way that you're wired, the way that God made you, and then so that you can use those gifts to advance the kingdom of God through the local church. All right, so every, every month we do move track on the last Sunday of the month, and we're not gonna press pause on that. We're gonna keep moving forward. We're just shifting move track from on-site to online. So I want you to visit mygochurch.com. You can sign up for our online version of move track today. That's going to happen next Sunday, and I'd love for you to jump online with us and uh, learn more about the ministry of Go Church and then allow us the opportunity so that you can learn more about you. I'm so fired up today to kick off a brand new three-week series, and here's what we're calling it. We're calling it Faith, Hope, and Love. As a matter of fact, let's do this. On the count of three, I want you to say the title of this series with me. You ready? One, two, three. Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, Hope, and Love. And love. And a few months ago, when the team and I were working on the 2020 preaching calendar, we put this series, Faith, Hope, and Love, down to have a conversation with you in this season. But in our planning stages, we had no idea how relevant and how needed a message like this would really be. The opportunity for you to hear more about holding on to the promise of faith, hope, and love. See, we're living in a time of uncertainty. We're living in a time of crisis. We're living in a time of great challenge. And now more than ever, you need faith, you need hope, and you need love, right? So last Sunday on Easter Sunday, I shared with you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because this is the chapter that we actually get the idea of faith, hope, and love from. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, and I told you this last Sunday, this is known as the, the love chapter or the wedding chapter. I mean, when's the last time you attended a wedding and you didn't hear verses read from 1 Corinthians 13? And, and that's not a bad thing because the Apostle Paul, he does describe this idea of love. But I feel like it's important to give you a little context behind 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 because I want you to really understand the tone and the temperature of this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Because while it does talk about the concept and the supernatural aspect of love, it carries with it a little bit of a mistaken identity. And I want to tell you more about that mistaken identity. And, and that thought reminds me of, of this story. A few years ago, we, we had a mistaken identity moment. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. As a matter of fact, let me tell you the story. As a matter of fact, about 15 years ago or so, Kimberly and I, we were newlyweds and uh, we were living up near Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were youth pastoring at a church there. And we decided on one weekend to kind of get away and, and to come back down to the Noonan area. This is Kimberly's hometown and to visit her family, to visit her mom and her dad. They were pastoring the church at that time. So we drove from the Chattanooga area down to, to Noonan. And, and so I, I don't know how it happened, but we decided we don't go to dinner. And so we drove over to Peachtree City, just a few miles east of Noonan. And uh, I don't even know how, how it happened, but it was just me and Kimberly that went to Chili's for dinner. Come on now. So, so we walk into the Chili's in Peachtree City and we, we stand at the hostess stand uh, saying, hey, it's a party of two. We'd like a table here. And while we're waiting on them to get a table ready for us, Kimberly looks up 
and she notices in a booth across the restaurant a couple that attended her mom and dad's church. And so she says to me, now we're newlyweds. This is before, before all, you know, all this transition and stuff happened. I wasn't even serving on staff at the church then. And, and so I didn't know this family. I didn't know them well at all. And, and Kimberly says, hey, that, that's so-and-so over there. Now, you need to know something about Pastor JC if you don't know, but, but I, I am the very definition of an extrovert. Like, I will talk to a brick wall. Come on, somebody. So, like, all you had to do is say to me, that's so-and-so, we should go say hi, and I'm all in. Come on, somebody. So I said, well, let's go talk to him. So, I mean, immediately, I'm all in. Hey, hey, how's it going? How y'all doing? How you doing? So we walk up to the table, and I'm standing at the table, and I say, hey, I'm so glad to see you guys. Hi, how you doing? How's the family? How's the kids? And out, out of the corner of my eye, I notice that Kimberly, she ain't there. Come on now. She's gone. Well, I'm still engaged. How's your mom and them? How y'all? Man, it's great to see you lost weight. You look so good. What you eating? Can I get a bite of that? Because, again, I'm an extrovert. I'm all in at this point. And we have like a two, three-minute conversation. But Kimberly, Kimberly's gone. So finally, I say goodbye. I dismiss myself, and I, I walk away from the booth. I come around the corner, and Kimberly is doubled over in hysteria. She is laughing so hard. I mean, she's crying, laughing, like that kind of deep laugh. I'm like, babe, what are you laughing at? What's going on? And she says, that wasn't who I thought it was. And I said, well, who was it? She says, I have no idea. See, that was a moment of mistaken identity. And I think 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 has some mistaken identity to it as well. So whenever we have a wedding ceremony and, and we use 1 Corinthians 13, we use it to affirm a love that already exists between one man and one woman, right? So we're using it to affirm a love that already exists. But the Apostle Paul wasn't affirming a love that already existed. No, he wasn't applauding the church at Corinth for a job well done. He was actually calling them to action. He wasn't, he wasn't applauding them for their good Christian ethics. No, he was introducing them to a good Christian ethic. See, the people of, of Corinth, they were a diverse community. Their ethnicity was diverse. Their age was diverse. Their gender was diverse. Their social status or their wealth was diverse. Their religion was diverse. They were both Jew and Gentile. And, and, and their diversity did create some challenges. Their diversity created some complexity. Their diversity, watch this, created some conflict between them. And so they, they started choosing sides. They, they started cr creating cliques and kind of competing against one another. And they separated themselves from one another. And tension began to fill that community. And because of the tension and the competition and the separation and the cliques, uh, they became a very fragmented and broken society of people. And Paul writes this letter to the people of Corinth to remind them to embrace their differences, to embrace their diversity. And he reminds them that their diversity is a non-negotiable within the community. That's why one chapter prior to 1 Corinthians 13, one chapter prior, the apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 about how they have many parts of their body 
But when they are in Christ Jesus, all of those different parts of the body become one body in Christ Jesus. All of the many parts become one part of the body. And Paul is demanding that they figure out how to get along and that they should embrace their differences, embrace their diversity, and they do it all under the umbrella of faith, hope, and love. So I wanted to bring some clarity on that mistaken identity. Paul's not affirming them for their Christian ethic. No, he's teaching them a really powerful Christian value about the importance of faith, hope, and love. So uh, each, each week in this series, this three-week series, I don't plan to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm not going to read the whole chapter every single Sunday, but, but I want to do that today. I want to read the, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 so that you get the full scope and the full context. So if you got your Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's begin in verse number one. The apostle Paul says this. He says, if I speak with tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I've just become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all of the mysteries and knowledge, the people of Corinth, they were all, all into to mysteries and they were, very, they were very knowledgeable people. And he says, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, he says, I'm nothing. He says, if I gave all of my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, then it profits me nothing. And we read this last Sunday, but I'm going to read it again. Watch. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Come on now. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Remember, he's teaching them the importance of these Christian values. And he says, love never fails. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. Watch this. He says, everything that you've been trying to hold on to, all of that, it can fade away. All of those earthly successes and hopes and dreams and goals and objectives that you're trying to hold on to that you think are incredibly important and of high value, he says, all of that can fade away. He says, because we only know a part of it and we only can prophesy in part, but, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And I, and I just, I, I love so much how he calls us out by calling himself out. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I would reason like a child. But when I became a man, what does that mean? He says that when I, when I done growed up, come on now, pardon the grammar, but he says, when I began to mature and I left behind my childish ways of living and thinking and acting and behaving. He says, when I became a man, I did away with all of those childish things. And watch what he says in verse 12. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. 
And I think that's so important because a pastor friend of mine told me that he used this metaphor of mirror because the people of Corinth were one of the first ever manufacturers of mirror. They would polish silver or metal to get a reflection of themselves because they were so proud of all of the accomplishments that they had. And so he references one of their traits and he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. And watch verse 13, here it is. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's read this final verse, verse number 13 out of 1 Corinthians 13 together. You ready? Let's read it together. One, two, three. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see that? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What the Apostle Paul is trying to do is to say to us that when the uncertainty of life hits, that when the challenges of life hits, let's bring it into our modern context today, that when crisis hits, that whenever we experience the, the waves of fear or the waves of doubt or the waves of uncertainty or, or even the waves of stress, come on, has anybody felt that? That whenever life feels like it's a big wave crashing down on us, watch this, he says, everything else will let you down and everything else might leave you, but faith, hope, and love will remain. He said, these are, the, these are the handles that you can hold on to. And church, that's really what this three-week series is all about, how to get a handle on the challenges of life. How can we get a grip on the uncertainty of life, on the challenges of life? I mean, let me tell you the story real quick of when I was a teenager, uh, my brother-in-law, Damien, uh, he was a, a rescue swimmer for the Navy, and uh, he was out of the military at this time. He married my sister, and he's such a great man. And, and he owned this jet ski. He owned this Yamaha four-stroke jet ski. And, man, and back then, this jet ski was a three-seater jet ski. It was, man, it, it was full of power. Come on. So, so we lived in the Tampa Bay area, and we had a little mini vacation with our family. My brother-in-law, he, he takes this jet ski out in the Gulf of Mexico, and he says to me, he says, JC, I want you to come for a ride. And so I'm like, yeah, man, let's rock and roll. So I'm, I'm full of hope and trust and confidence until I got on the jet ski. And my brother-in-law, without any warning, he's like, all right, hold on. And it was full throttle. Man, he never took his thumb off the, the, the throttle of that jet ski. And he was just so wild and so adventurous. And I mean, he, he'd run into waves and he was hitting swells that felt like they were 10, 12, 14 feet high. And we were nose diving into the Gulf of Mexico. He was so gifted with driving that jet ski. He could do all kinds of tricks. And, and he would somehow manipulate that jet ski and bury the nose into the water and then pop that thing up. And I'm y'all, I'm terrified. I'm telling you right now, I was freaking out. And every now and again, he'd just check on me. You doing okay? And I'm like, no, I'm scared, man. Get me off this jet ski because there was nothing that I could hold on to. And I felt like I was out of control. And I felt like I was losing my grip. Come on, church, how often is life like that? Isn't life just like that today? Man, I feel like the waves are just crashing down on us, and, 
and I feel like I have no control of this current reality and I feel like there's, there's nothing to hold on to and there's nowhere to grip and watch and the more wild life gets and life is wild right now, the more wild life gets, the less grip you actually have. And Paul says this, come on, this is so good. Paul says, here are some handles that you can hold on to. Here are some things that you can put your confidence in, you can hold on to, because when everything else lets you down, when everything else falls apart, these three things, they will remain. And if you hold on to faith, hope, and love, you can overcome any trial, any challenge, any tragedy, any circumstance, any painful moment. He says, here are the things you can hold on to. Here's the grip of life, faith, hope, and love. So over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into each one of those, faith, hope, and love. But today, let's sit on the first one. So we're going to unpack this trio over the next few Sundays. But today, let's sit on faith, faith. Come on, on the count of three, say the word faith. One, two, three, faith. So what is it? Like, what is faith? Man, it's such a big word, right? Faith. You've heard people say things like this, you know. Just keep the faith or just have faith. But, but I'm telling you, in preparation of this message, faith was a little bit more of a challenge to try to define. Like, where, where do you start with the explanation of, of faith? I don't know why this story comes to my mind, but when I was like nine or ten years old, my, my, my mom and dad, they took me to, to visit Niagara Falls. And I don't know if you've ever, you've ever visited Niagara Falls, but uh, the experience in person is completely different than just experiencing it through a photo or a YouTube video. I mean, I remember at nine or 10 years old watching the power of Niagara Falls and how it was so massive and so overwhelming. And I can't even fully explain to you what I experienced standing there watching the power of the water just fall over Niagara Falls. And I kind of think that faith is similar in the concept of explaining. It's just challenging to try to explain to you, like, what is faith? But I want you to know this, because I I believe this with all of my heart. I don't think that God ever intended for faith to be some mysterious riddle. I don't think that God ever intended for the concept of faith to be some unsolvable puzzle that you could never piece together. I mean, almost every single book of the Bible addresses and acknowledges the topic of faith. And if you try to read the Bible and you still can't get a clear understanding of what faith is, and I'm going to try to help you today, you can look at Webster's Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary gives us a very concise definition of faith. Webster's Dictionary says that faith is complete confidence or complete trust in someone or in something. Complete confidence or complete trust in someone or something. This is the definition from Webster on the concept of faith. What does the Bible have to say to help us explain what faith is? I think a great place to dive into to study is Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the the hall of faith. And it's where we read about the heroes of our, of our faith, about 
40 verses packed with faith-filled heroes and stories, both men and women who modeled for us examples of what true, genuine, authentic faith really looks like. If you, if you have any time, and, and I got a feeling you've got a little bit of time right now, you should read Hebrews chapter 11 and, and read, the, read the faith-filled stories about Abel and, and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Samson and the list goes on and on and on. And this is such a power-packed chapter to help us define what is faith. Let's look at a few verses together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Here's what your Bible says, defining what faith is. Now, faith is what? Confidence in what we hope for. Now, now faith is assurance about what we do not see. Now, I, I could preach this for a minute if you'd let me, so I'm going to. I love how we start off with now faith. I don't need yesterday faith. I don't even need tomorrow faith. I need some now faith to help me get a grip on and a handle on the things that I'm challenged with. And the writer says, now faith. Come on in the comment section, write those two powerful words. Now faith, meaning faith is active. It's an action. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The Bible says this in verse two, that this, which is faith, is what the ancients were commended for. And again, 40 verses, give or take, are filled with stories about all of these ancient heroes of the faith and how they were commended for their faith. Watch verse number three. It says, by faith, by faith, by believing God, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things, everything was made at God's command and that everything was made from things that can't be seen. Let's skip to verse number six, because this is, verse number six is a powerful definition of what faith is. And the Bible says, and without faith. So if you don't have faith, then it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, and this is good news, and that he is the one who rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what faith is. If you want to please God, you've got to have faith. Let me give you three really simple and really elementary thoughts. But I think these three thoughts are filled with so much encouragement and life. And maybe they'll just encourage you in the middle of the uncertainty of whatever situation you're walking through that, that you can hold on to faith. Now faith. No matter the doctor's report, no matter, no matter what the news is trying to say to us about this pandemic and the uncertainty and the fear, no, we don't hold on to that. No, we hold on to faith, and it's a handle we can hold on to. Let me give you three things. I want you to write them down as we dive into what faith is. Number one is this. Faith is complete confidence in God. Faith is complete confidence in God. See, how do I say it? Let me say it this way. Faith is believing even when I don't see it. Yeah, it's confidence that even when I don't see God, I know that there is a God, complete confidence in God. Maybe you've heard people say uh, the phrase, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Or maybe you've heard them say, 
Well, seeing is believing. That's interesting to me because I don't think that kind of logic applies to their hope and confidence in Wi-Fi. Hello? Yeah, every day we put our full confidence into Wi-Fi that you can't even see. Every day you shoot off dozens of emails and, and every day you, you jump on FaceTime and every day you, you text people and every day you browse the internet and you shop on Amazon through Wi-Fi and every day, man, this is my current reality. Every day I'm on Zoom. Come on now. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. I'm on Zoom, Zoom, Zoom so much I should have bought a Mazda. I'm on Zoom all the time. Come on. And every day I put my confidence in Wi-Fi something I can't even see. You can't see gravity. No, you can only see the effects of gravity, but you don't see gravity. But be honest with me. Come on. How many of you woke up today and the first thought you had was, oh God, I hope that gravity works today. Oh, I hope we got some gravity today. Now, you don't think that because every day we put our confidence in things we don't see. But real godly faith is confidence in God to know that God is, and we sing this at Go Church, that God is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. Come on, church. And I love this part. And even when I don't see it, I know he's working. See, it's not seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. Believing is a sight. Believing has sight. There is a future element to all of this. And, and faith gives us the ability to see what the eyes cannot see. Faith is believing even when I don't see it. There's a great quote by St. Augustine. And the quote is this, faith is to believe in what you do not see and the reward of your faith. Listen to me, church. There is a reward to those who have full, complete confidence and faith in God. And he says, the reward of your faith is to see what you believe. Come on. Two more thoughts. I've got to hurry, but watch this. Faith is not only complete confidence in God, but faith is complete trust in God. Complete confidence in God and complete trust in God. Here's one thing I know. Lean in for a second. If you live long enough, if you live long enough, at some point in your life, you will experience this wild jet ski ride called life. There will be moments if you live long enough where you don't feel like you can hold on any longer, where your grip is slipping and you feel like you're losing control. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I hope that this message is encouraging somebody that, that you can hold on and you can put your trust in God. You keep trusting God because God is faithful and God is good and God is in control even when you're not. Come on now. You go back to the, the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. You look at verse number seven, you'll see somebody that put their complete trust in God. It was a guy by the name of Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a boat and Noah, Noah built a boat that would float on top of the waters and the rain hadn't even come yet. And yet by faith, Noah trusted God completely to take him at his word. God said, build a boat. There's coming a flood. Can you imagine Noah's neighbors? They come over and like, hey, hey, Noah, what, what, what you building? And Noah's like a boat. And they go, 
what's a boat? And he says, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to float on the waters when the rain comes. And they're like, what's the rain? And he says, well, the rain is what's going to cause the flood. And the neighbors are like, what's a flood? And he says, you're about to find out. See, faith is trusting God even when you don't fully understand it. That is what faith is, complete trust in God. In my family, we know about that. Now, we don't always bat a thousand, and we're not perfect with having complete trust in God at all times. Come on, all of us, our faith can be challenged and stretched, but I remember when God called our family to move to Maryland. God called us to step out in faith, to have confidence in God and to put our trust in God. And we wrestled with, is this really what God wants us to do? Do we step out in faith? And so in that process of praying and fasting and earnestly seeking God to move to Maryland to plant the Germantown Go Church campus, God spoke to my family. God spoke to my family. My wife, Kimberly, was getting gas one day and she was praying about the opportunity to take our little family of three at that time and move 700 miles north and begin this work called Go Church. And we were all wrestling with that because it really didn't make a whole lot of sense that God would uproot us from what felt comfortable and take us to a place that we didn't even know and a place where they didn't know us. So my wife is getting gas one day and she's sitting in her car and before she gets out of the car to pump the gas, she just says, God, I, I, I want to trust you. I want to have confidence in you. I just want to know that this is what you want us to do. I mean, God, you're telling us to basically build a boat. So if that's what you want, then that's what we'll do. She reached into her purse to grab money to go pay for the gas that she was about to pump. And when she grabbed the money, she just looked at it in her hand and it was the back of a $20 bill. I don't know if you know this or not, but only on the $20 bill is a picture of the White House. And, and Germantown, Maryland is 25 miles outside of Washington, D.C. And underneath the White House are these words, in God, we trust. In God, we trust. And God said this to Kimberly. And it is a an anthem for our family, a faith declaration for our family. If you trust me, if you trust me, then you'll do as I say. If you trust, that, that is faith, to have confidence in God and to put our full and complete trust in God. And that means that we trust God even when we don't get what we want and even when it doesn't turn out the way we thought that it would, we still have trust, complete trust in God. Let me give you one more thought and we'll be done. Faith is this. Faith is not only complete confidence in God and complete trust in God, but it's also complete obedience to God. Obedience to God. Obedience is submission. And it's submission to, to God's will, the will of God. So let me say it to you this way. It's not your will. No, that's not faith. It's God's will. It's not your way. It's God's way. you got to stay in Hebrews 11. One more verse. Verse number 8. You'll see somebody that demonstrated faith through complete obedience. It was a guy by the name of, of Abraham. And we, we know 
this story in our own lives because I just told you that by faith, Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home and go to a land that God would give him as, an, as it is his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. I wonder who's watching this live stream today, right now in this moment, and God has been calling you by faith to do something and you have refused. You've wrestled with complete confidence in God and complete trust in God, and you've wrestled with complete obedience to God. But let me tell you something, come on. I feel this word today. Faith will take you on great adventures. And so oftentimes, great faith will take you into the great unknown. And we may not always fully understand the big picture, because if you knew every twist and turn of the future, many of you would say no. But there is a great reward to those that earnestly seek God, and they want to walk by faith and not by sight. See, there, there are times in your life on this jet ski where the waves come crashing in and you're trying to hold on so tight where it, you'll get this sense from the Holy Spirit, from God, to do something wild and crazy and, and ridiculous. And fear will try to creep in to hold you back from stepping out into the unknown. Oh, but if you allow faith to rise up, Faith will, faith will create this confidence and this trust to be obedient, to do something new. Write this thought down. Fear keeps you where you are, but it is faith that moves you to what's next. Come on, church. Fear will paralyze you and keep you right where you are, but faith will move you to what's next. And some people, they're going to shake their head at your faith. Some people will shake their head at your obedience. But listen to me. You keep moving forward anyway. You keep worshiping God. You keep serving. You keep giving. You keep moving. Don't you stop now. You be obedient to God by faith. And he will take you places no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store for those who believe. So maybe you're like me. In this time of great challenge and difficulty, what hope do we have to hold on to? What, what can we grip our life to? It's faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. I'm going to give you my life verse. Sometimes, maybe you've been asked this, what's your favorite verse in all of the Bible? It's kind of unfair because there's so many that we can hang our life on. But I'm going to give you this one. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is my life verse that when I'm struggling, when I'm doubting, when, when, my, when my faith is fragile or my faith is weak or I need an encouragement in my faith. Come on, sometimes just like you got to fill up your car with gas, sometimes you got to fill up your life with, with faith. You got to get a refueling of faith. This is my life verse right here, Romans 8, 28. And I want to speak this over you. And we know, how do we know? We know by faith. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Listen to me, church. Not everything is good, but God is good. Come on, can you give me an amen? Not everything is good, but God is good in Jesus' name.
I'm not the greatest singer in the world, that's for sure, but there's been a song on my heart for the last few days, and, and you've heard it before. We sing it at Go Church. It's written by Nicole Binion, and it's called All Things, and it takes this verse right here and puts it into a beautiful reminder that God really is working all things for your good. Let me just encourage you with the words to this song. You are working all things for my good. You are working all things for my good. When I cannot see it, God, I still believe it. You are working all things for my good. You are working all things for my good. You are working all things for my good. When I cannot see it, God, I still believe it. You are working all things for my good. Typically, I'll close with the closing question, but a couple of weeks ago in my journal, I wrote this declaration for faith. They're going to put it large on the screen for you to see, and I want you to declare this over your life. I am a believer. I am in Christ. I hold fast to the confession of faith. I walk by faith. I live out my faith. I trust God by faith. My faith can move mountains. This works because Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith. Even on the days when my faith is low, he is always faithful. My faith is the bridge that allows me to cross over all my fears. And at the end of the day, my faith will win because I know that my father will win. And because of my faith, others will become followers of Christ. So Lord, those watching today, may there be an increase of faith in the name of Jesus. May they be encouraged by this message to hold on to these three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And we talked about faith today. And may today someone accept you as their savior by faith. May they be forgiven of their sins through grace, by faith through grace. And may this be a message that changes their lives forever. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer or you made this declaration, come on, let us know. Text this word commit. That's letting us know that you're committing to this faith walk with Christ to 84576. Somebody from our team is going to reach out to you and they're going to give you the next steps on how you can take this journey, this faith journey with us because you're not in it alone. I pray this message has been an encouragement to you.